Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, it's December the 6th, and Christmas time is upon us. Now, the month of December is an interesting time for folks as we get excited about Christmas coming and celebrating the birth of Jesus, but it's also a time when we have a lot of stuff going on. Does anybody feel a little busy right now? You got a long list of stuff that needs to get done. You got more commitments in your evenings and weekends, and there's decorations that need to go up and, and changed, and presents that need to be bought, and parties that attend, and, and, and people to visit. This is a busy time of year as we head into December, um, but it is a time that we're excited about. Because we have some expectations at Christmas time. And many times, those expectations that we have are set when we're younger. I know for me, my expectations around Christmas were set when I was a little boy. And uh, I remember getting some great presents at Christmas time. One of those presents I got at Christmas time was a basketball goal. And that was just wonderful to come out on Christmas morning. There was a, a basketball goal there in the living room. I, also, I, I remember getting various Star Wars toys. Uh, for Christmas. And you believe it or not, I've lived long enough now that, that Star Wars is cool again, which is great. Um, and I've got just the right age son to pretend like the gifts are for him this Christmas. So uh, it's, it's just an exciting time of year as you think about the gifts that you're getting. But I started thinking, you know, what are some of the, the expectations, the excitement that you have, maybe about some Christmases that you've had in the past? And I started thinking, you know, has anybody here ever had a puppy, got a puppy for Christmas? You know, the, the bow on the collar and the dog comes running down the stairs or around the corner and there's the dog. Have you ever had that experience? That'd be an exciting Christmas to remember. Anybody ever had a Lexus December to remember? You, know, you, just, you get up on Christmas morning, you look out in the driveway, boom, there it is. That's awesome. If you are doing that this year, please do me two favors. One, film it, and two, invite me over. I just want to see it one time, the, the, the December to remember. Maybe you have not had that kind of experience with your December. Maybe you have had a, a, a memory or a year where someone who you love came and visited uh, from, from out of town. Maybe your, your fiancé came home from deployment early. And you saw them at Christmas time, or or a child, or 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 a family member, a friend surprised you on that day. There's all of these things that we have, these expectations that we have surrounding Christmas. But but here's the thing: the reality is is that not everybody has an expectation for something great this year. As a matter of fact, for for some, even some in this room, the expectations that we have this December are are real challenging. You know, I think about even materially. In our community, there are many who have great needs. Uh, Wildwood is hosting Mission Norman's Christmas shop this year, right out there in our gathering hall starting this week. And many of you have brought presents or are going to be working at that. Still some opportunities available, but that's just a reminder for us that the expectation is not always a full tree, is it? And even beyond the, the physical things, this is a painful time of year because this might be the first Christmas without Dad. First Christmas without mom. First Christmas without a child or a friend who passed away this last year. Maybe it's the first Christmas post-divorce. The first Christmas after the diagnosis. You might be sitting there today and your expectation of this holiday is not so much what cool things am I going to get, but your expectation is I feel like I'm getting nothing. 
I'm heading into this holiday with a negative balance. What are your expectations this Christmas time? This morning, I've got good news. We're going to look at God's word together, and we're going to see from his word announcements that came from the angels to Mary and Joseph that reminded them of the kinds of gifts we can expect because Jesus was born in the world. And those gifts, we're going to look at four of them today, are so wonderful, so great, they have impact for our lives today as well. And whether we think our tree is full or empty, there are at least these four things we can expect Jesus to provide for us this Christmas in ways that hopefully will minister to your heart as they have mine as we look at these declarations in Luke 1 and Matthew 1 today. Now, we're going to be doing this as a part of our Christmas series this year that we're calling Righteous Christmas. Righteous because we're talking about the right kinds of things, the right expectation, the right place, the right time, the right person, the right plan regarding Jesus and his birth. And we're going to be be talking about that over the next number of weeks, including Christmas Eve, through the end of the year. But today we're going to focus on the right expectations we can have at Christmas time. And my hope is that it's a blessing to you. What we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to read for us the declarations that the angel made to Mary and then to Joseph, and then we'll, we'll back up and we'll look at it a little more in depth and see four things today. But the first thing we're going to do is see the declaration the angel made to Mary. We're going to see this in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. Now, remember the story here. Uh, Diane shared it with us earlier, but Mary is, is engaged to be married to Joseph when an angel visits her and says, you're favored. God is blessing you, and he's giving you a child. And she starts thinking, what? And then the angel keeps talking. Verse 30 of chapter 1, the angel says this, angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The angel made this declaration to to Mary. Right after that, the angel made a similar declaration to Joseph. Joseph had, had heard that Mary was pregnant, and that scared him to death. He was a righteous man, so instead of you know, sending his wife away, breaking the engagement he, in, in a public way that would shame her and him, he decided to do something quietly to dismiss and kind of sweep it under the rug. And it was in the midst of his contemplation of what to do regarding the news that his fiancée was pregnant that the angel visits Joseph, and this is what the angel said. It says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, 
In these two declarations from the angels to Mary and Joseph, we're going to see four things, four things that we can expect as Jesus comes this year, four great gifts that God gives to us in Christ. The first one is this. Because of Jesus, we have hope instead of fear. Because of Jesus, we have hope instead of fear. Now, we see this in the very first words that the angels say to both Mary and Joseph. Uh, what, 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 do, what do you notice that is similar at the beginning of the comments? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. We see that right there in the very first words that the angel would say. Now, why would the angel tell Mary and Joseph to not be afraid? Well, one reason why I think the angel said that, I mean, clearly the reason why the angel said it was because they were afraid, right? So the real question is, why were they afraid? Now, we get lulled into this. This happens to me many times. I read different parts of Scripture. We begin to think that the Bible is a book that is about Bible people who live in Bible times doing Bible things. Therefore, it's really not that uncommon to run into an angel. You know, like you just go to the store, you're getting the milk, the eggs, there's an angel. We, we think of that sometimes when we think of Bible times. But the reality is it was very uncommon for someone to run into an angel. This just never really happened. I mean, it, not, not never, but very seldom did it happen. Very rare occurrence, even in Bible times. As a matter of fact, this was uh, at the end of a period of silence where God had not spoken with his people at all. No new revelation, no angel visits for hundreds of years. And so when Mary and Joseph see an angel in, in, their, in their study, that's, a, that's big news. It would startle them. I was thinking about that uh, just this week. I had this, this moment where I, I got up early one morning. The house is still dark, and I'm going to be the first one up. And so I, I, I slip out of bed thinking that I've, I've gone undetected. My wife asleep beside me, my son asleep down the hall. And I, I go out, I use the restroom on the other side of the house to... to to avoid causing any noise, being the good husband that I am once a year. And, and I, I, I come back, and I'm going to do something on my computer. I've got to, 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 to write a few thoughts down. And so I, I slip into my chair, and I open my computer, thinking my wife is asleep in bed, and I hear this, like, little cough, and I look over, and she is right beside me. Okay, I'd somehow missed that. I, she had left at some point during the night. It was on the couch, probably because her husband snores too much. And, and there, there she was, and there I was, and it just was startling to me, right? And that is some part of what happened to Mary and Joseph. They were startled when the angel showed up. It was not normal to be visited by, by such things. And, and not only that, but their minds would have been distracted, in different ways. Certainly Joseph's would have as, as he was contemplating what to do that his wife was, was pregnant out of, out of wedlock. What, what was he to do in a situation like that, his fiance? Well, they're a little, little scared. But I think that one other thing that we need to think about in terms of why they were scared has to do with who the angel represented. See, that the angel visit represented God showing up in their situation. God becoming aware of everything that they were experiencing, everything that they knew, everything that was going on. God was right there through the, the, the presence of this angel. It was a reminder of God's awareness of their life. And that was scary. You know, think about this. If, if God showed up in a bodily form in, in your study tonight or in your living room, 
It would be startling, right? And part of it would be, oh no, that's a holy, God's holiness is aware of my sinfulness. There would be real fear that would come. Every time God shows up in the presence of his people in the scripture, we see them bowing, kneeling, cowering, covering their face because of his holiness creates a separation from our sinfulness. And yet, when the angel shows up to talk to Mary and Joseph, the words are not, be very, very afraid. The words are, do not fear. Because in Jesus, God was going to offer something different. God was going to offer a way for sinful people like you and me to have hope in the presence of God instead of fear. Jesus was coming to offer us hope. That was true for Mary and Joseph. It's also certainly true uh, for you and I today. And as we think about applying this, I I just got to ask you, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? You know, some of you right now are thinking spiders. Others are thinking snakes. But I don't mean just those kinds of things. I mean, what are you really, really afraid of? So I've, I've thought about that. I think there's really two things that we're, we're most afraid of. We're, we're afraid of the hypothetical and the unknown. We're, we're afraid of the, the hypothetical, and by that I mean we're, we're afraid of what might happen. You know, when you get the diagnosis of cancer, you, you don't know for sure what all that's going to mean, and so it, it, it creates anxiety, it, it creates fear. You don't know what the experience is going to feel like, what your family's going to go through, all of those kinds of things. When you're starting your first day at a new school, you're, you're afraid of the hypothetical. You don't know if you're going to be accepted, welcomed, etc. New job, a, a new season of life. We get fearful of the, the hypothetical at times. We, we also uh, you know, get, get fearful of not just the, the hypothetical, but we get fearful of the unknown. Now, those sound similar, but really I think they're referring to something different. As I'm using this here, the the unknown is the thing that you know about, but you think nobody else does. You know your failure. You know your weakness. You know what you're thinking about when nobody else does. And when we we get fearful that somebody else might find out about what we think nobody knows. We're we're, we're fearful that our, our spouse or our kids or our employer or our neighbor or our friends or our boyfriend, or our girlfriend, our best friend, might, might find out that thing that we want concealed, that we want hidden. We get fearful many times of the hypothetical and of the unknown. And yet what God does for us in Christ is he offers us hope instead of those fears. Think about it. Jesus comes to offer us the opportunity to know the sovereign God who created all things and who holds all things together. Romans chapter 8 tells us that God has good plans that will work out for those who he calls according to his purpose. See, we have a, a sovereign God that we know. Jesus coming reminds us of that. We can have hope instead of a fear of the hypothetical because there's a sovereign God who is over it all. And not only that, but but Jesus' coming reminds us that that the God who knows us and everything about us, even the things that we think nobody else knows, 
loves us anyway and came to die on the cross for our sins. What an incredible offer. What an incredible gift. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I spoke from John chapter 4 where there's a woman at a well and Jesus shows up and he begins to reveal to her that, that he knows everything about her past, everything about her experience, the good and the bad, things that she thought that maybe he wouldn't have known, she knew, he knew. And instead of Jesus throwing her in the well, he embraces her, he loves her, he offers her hope and life. In this way, Jesus comes and he offers us hope instead of fear. And right now, there are many of us in this room who are fearful of something. Jesus is offering you hope today. One of my favorite Christmas carols is A Little Town of Bethlehem. Great line inside that carol. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee. We're going to sing that song next Sunday. What a blessing that Jesus offers us hope instead of fear. First thing we see here. The second thing we see is found over in the Luke passage. And it's this. Because of Jesus, we have power instead of limitations. Because of Jesus, we have power instead of limitations. Now, when I say that, you're like, oh, come on, we we are limited people. And we are. There are many things that that we face with physical limitations. You know, I'm somebody that needs sleep, that needs food, that needs water. Um, I'm I'm terribly limited. I can't fly um, without a vehicle of some sort. Uh, There are lots of limits physically that we face. My, My life will one day end on this planet. We have physical limitations that we have. This is This is part of what it means to be human. But the challenge that we face as people who are limited is that many times we begin to think that the physical limitations that we face somehow constrict what God can do in other areas, including the spiritual area of our lives. And when Jesus came, he was a living proof that God can do in and through us that which would otherwise be impossible. Now, we we see this play out for us because the angel tells Mary, who was a virgin, that she was pregnant with a child who would be the savior of the world. Now, think about this. Mary would have been fully within her reason and ration and, 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 and understanding. She was in her right mind to say, no, 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 I'm not pregnant. You, you, got, you got the story wrong. Wrong girl. You know, Mary was saying, I, I went to that class in fourth or fifth grade, whatever it was at her school, where they explained how this happens. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not pregnant, okay? I'm not pregnant. That seems to be impossible. And yet the angel says to her that, no, 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 you are pregnant. And here's, here's how it has happened. It says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he'll be called Son of the Most High. She was pregnant because God was able to do in and through her that which was impossible to accomplish Now, make no mistake, this is an exceptional story. This is not something that's going to replicate in your life or your family. Um, This is a a one-time event for a very specific purpose that God had to bring Jesus Christ into the world. But you know, Jesus' birth 
provides a great picture for us that God can do infinitely, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, that God is not constrained by the same limitations that we have, and this shows up all the time in our spiritual lives, our spiritual relationships. See, we can begin to think that, you know, we can't because we have limits. You know, God's word calls us to be forgiving, and we say, you know, that, that may be true, but I can't forgive them. We have a limit. God's word calls us to be loving, and you say, well, that, that may be true, but you know what? I can't be loving in that way because we sense our limits. We, we get a sense that, that God wants to use us or, or to be used by him to, to spread the gospel into the whole world, to talk to our, our family, to our friends about Jesus, or to, to teach inside of a class, and we think, you know what? That may be true for some people, but it can't be true for me because of blank I don't talk very well, I don't reason very well, I'm not fast on my feet, I don't have smart enough friends or, or good enough friends or family, you don't know my situation, whatever. We have all these things we want to put in this limiting factor and say God can't because of blank. The fact that Jesus was born to a virgin should remind us that God can do things beyond our limits. See, when we trust in Christ, God places the Holy Spirit into our lives. Ephesians chapter 1 says, From the moment that we believed, the Holy Spirit has come to reside within us. Galatians chapter 5 tells us that where the Spirit is present, that there are fruits associated with that. Things like love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, God wants to produce those things through us, things that would be impossible for us to produce on our own, but that he can do through his power. Mary one day held a baby in her arms that would have otherwise been impossible because God intervened. And we can forgive, we can love, we can share Christ in ways that would be otherwise impossible on our own. But God can deliver in our midst as we trust in him. See, we spend a lot of our time limiting what God can do. And yet we find out in Christmas we can have an expectation that God can do even more. Where are you limiting God today? What are you trusting him for? Specifically, things that he's promised to provide through the fruits of his spirit that that right now, not in a manger, but around your dinner table or in your child's bedroom or in your classroom, that God might so work within your heart to produce that fruit in places that you thought were impossible. See, the first thing that we have in Christ is we have hope. The second thing that we have is we have power. The third thing that we see that Christ provides for us, the third gift we see back in the Matthew passage, and that is this. Because of Jesus, we have salvation instead of judgment. Because of Jesus, we have salvation instead of judgment. Now, whenever I say that, you go, okay, we knew that one was coming because we're talking about Jesus. But think about how remarkable that is. As people who have grown up around the church or have grown up familiar with Christianity, we're very comfortable with Jesus and salvation being in the same sentence. What a remarkable thing it is to think that Jesus does indeed deliver salvation for us. The very name Jesus means that God saves. Jesus delivers salvation to us when when judgment 
was what is what we deserve. The angel shows up and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then he says this, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was to bring salvation to us. That was God's plan from the beginning. Now, this would have been huge news for Joseph. I mean, think about this. If you were a Jew living in the first century, you would have been very, very familiar with your sin. Now, normally, this is something that that most people have, an understanding that they're not perfect, that God is perfect and we're not. That's, That's something that doesn't need a lot of illustration. But if you can imagine living in the first century as a Jew in the city of of Jerusalem and visiting that city, you'd have been very, very aware of your sinfulness. What was the biggest building in town in Jerusalem? The temple. What took place inside the temple? Well, worship, but more specifically, sacrifices. Animals were were killed on a regular basis inside that temple as an acknowledge, an admission of their sinfulness. If you grew up as a a Jewish person in Israel in the first century, you would have been very familiar with your sin. And so when Joseph is is confronted with the, the angel, and the angel says, your son will be Jesus, the one who brings salvation for people from their sins, that, that it goes beyond good news. The sin that we are familiar with can finally be atoned for. The sin that we're familiar with can finally be forgiven. That's what is offered to us. And it was not just a promise. You know, Jesus was born. Jesus was, was raised. He lived a perfect life. He taught us God's truth. He performed miracles, signs, and wonders to validate God's presence and involvement with him. And then he died on the cross, sinless but for sin, to take God's wrath concerning our sin. And then three days later, he rose again. All of those things Jesus did to accomplish salvation for you and for me. See, one of the the reasons why we celebrate Christmas is not just because We live in a country that has this traditional holiday, but we celebrate Christmas because it's at Christmas that God brought into the world Jesus Christ who came to deliver salvation for us. That is reason for us to celebrate. That is reason for us to worship. See, we are people who are deserving of judgment and God's wrath, and yet God offers us salvation instead by having Jesus die in our place. You know, this, this Christmas as we gather, many in this room, we hear this and we're reminded of why this season is so joyous. We're reminded of who Jesus is and all that he has done for us. We remember this salvation. But there are others who are here today that have, have never placed their faith and their trust in Christ. And, and here is, is my prayer for you today. My prayer for you today is that you, you, you hear these words of the angel's proclamation to Joseph, and it's not just some fact in history or a Bible verse, but it's something that God is, is stirring within your heart, within your soul, that Jesus would be not just a Savior, but your Savior. That he'd be the one who is 
rescuing you and saving you from sin and judgment. And that is not something that you have to wait for or to attend a class to find out about. But in this moment where you sit, by faith you can receive the gift of life that God is offering us in Christ. He's given us hope. He's given us power. He's given us salvation. And the fourth thing we see in these verses is that he has given us a future. Flip back over to to Luke chapter 1. We see our fourth thing. Because of Jesus, we have a future instead of just a past. Because of Jesus, we have a future instead of just a past. Now, we, we see this in the declaration here where he says that Jesus will be great and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, when the angel says this to Mary, this would have tapped into some real emotion for her. See, for for Jewish people, the the glory days of their past had to do with the time of King David. Think about this from the perspective of a Jewish person in the first century. The, The best times their nation had were back there. They were in the old days. They were in the time of King David. That was the the time where the borders were expanded. That was a time where they won most of their battles. That was a time where God was delivering scripture to them um, on a regular basis. That was a time where there was a man on the throne who had a a heart that was, was bent towards God. That was a time where they captured the city of Jerusalem, the, the, the place that would be the location of their worship. It was David who gathered the materials and his son Solomon who constructed the very first temple. Those were the glory days back in the past. And it's possible that, that, that they were thinking that, you know what, we have a, a past, but when the angel says to Mary that Jesus will be the one who will fulfill God's promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that a descendant of David will sit on the throne forever. What the angel was really reminding Mary of was that as the people of God, we don't just have a past, but we have a future. The best days for Mary and the followers of God weren't some point a thousand years prior, but they were ahead of them as Jesus would eventually reign on the earth, on David's throne, and they would be able to interact with him in his kingdom. Now, this is important for us to hear as well. Because you know what? As we live out our lives, um, we can sometimes think that our spiritual glory days are in the past as well. You know, for some in this room, you kind of peaked at VBS, you had this, this moment where you, you memorized the verses and you got the ice cream cone, and that's kind of was, that, was, that was the top. For others of you, it wasn't at VBS. It might have been at a, at a youth group experience where you went to camp and you threw your stick on the fire and, and, and you, you, you stood up and you declared faith in Christ, and that was kind of the top. You came home, you thought you could conquer the world. For others, it was in college when you went on that mission trip and, and you felt like God was using you in ways that, that you didn't think were possible and you were just, just flying. For others, it was at the, the, the moment when your, your, child, your first child was born and you made a decision at that point, I'm going to follow God, I'm going I'm to trust him, or, or it was something else. But for many in this room, we think of our spiritual glory days and we look, we look backwards. We think, man, if I could only recapture VBS, if I could only recapture camp, I can only go back to that young life meeting. 
here's the, the wonderful, wonderful truth. The hope that we have is not looking that way. But in Christ, our best days are ahead of us. Jesus is coming back to this earth, and when he does, he invites us to be with him in his kingdom forever. We may think that we've got some some good things in our past, but it's nothing like lions and lambs, dogs and cats living together in the kingdom. The peace and the presence of God we will get to experience. This may be a year where you're looking straight in the face at loss, but know that your future is not one of loss, but it's of gain. See, as we gather together to worship this Christmas season, we need to remember the gifts that Jesus has given to us. Gifts of hope and of power and of salvation and of a future. I don't know what you're expecting this Christmas, but I sure hope it includes those things. Because Jesus didn't come to make us busy. He came to invite us to be with him and to give us these good gifts. We pray for this. Father God, thank you for the opportunities that you have given us to look at your word today. Thank you for the, the hope in the life the the power, the salvation, the future that you are offering us in Christ. Father, give us the faith to embrace you today. Father, whether it is is a a reaffirmation of our, our condition of trusting in you or whether it's right now in this moment, the first time that someone would be trusting in you, in the person of Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem, provide for us the things that we most need. Father, I pray today that we would be a people of faith. I pray that we would be a people who would be following you. And I pray that you would set us in our hearts with the right expectations this Christmas season. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.